0: Welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. This is Kelly, your host. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. It's a good day for Survivor Sanctuary, the Facebook group, because we've added some new members and I wanted to welcome them here to Kate, Ruth, Kathy, Maureen, Holly, Erin, Kelly, Jenny, and Valentine. I want to give a big warm welcome to the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. They are our latest members and we are closing in on 250 people who are a part of the Survivor Sanctuary community on Facebook. You can join the private group And I mention it in every episode because I love to see the new people coming in, sharing their stories and interacting. Just search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook, request to join. I'll add you into the group and uh, it's a safe place where we can interact. If you have something you want to say, great. And if you just want to sit back and kind of observe, that is great too. So welcome to our newbies. Glad to have you on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group and here on the podcast as well. Do you know that you can become a supporter of Survivor Sanctuary? You can do it. If you wanna support the podcast monthly to cover the expenses of creating this podcast for you, well, you can become a supporter by visiting anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary and click on support. It's gonna take you to a page where you can become a monthly supporter. And uh, if you're thinking, you know, it's like a thousand bucks a month, it's not. It starts at 99 cents a month and uh, every penny, helps to cover the costs of bringing you this podcast, which I absolutely love to do. It is a labor of love for me to you every time I get behind this microphone. And knowing you're listening and the encouraging messages that I get from folks who have tuned into the podcast and have maybe heard something that's helped them out or are just happy that people are talking about sexual abuse in the church, uh, those messages are so encouraging to me. So I want to thank you all for those. I also wanna let you know that there was a problem with the Survivor Sanctuary email that I actually did not realize was happening for a while. I'm like, wow, why suddenly are people not emailing me? There's this lull. And I realized that I actually had an issue with the email address. So if you want to shoot me an email, it is kelly at survivorsanctuary.com. And it is up and running. So if you have been trying to email and you're like, wow, why is she ignoring me? That could be why. So just wanna give you a heads up. There was an issue with the email, but it has been corrected, so you can email me, kelly, at survivorsanctuary.com, and I would be happy to answer your emails there. Maybe you have an idea for a guest who could be on the show, or you have an idea for a topic you'd like to talk about, or maybe you just want to share your story, Um, I would be honored to hear it. Well, sometimes here on Survivor Sanctuary, I have a topic that I wanna discuss based on some research and a lot of thinking and planning. And I just wanna give you a quick heads up that this is not one of those episodes because this is actually an episode that is born out of something that has just been frustrating the heck out of me. I mean, for years, but especially this past week. I read an article that just blew my mind and kind of brought back up a lot of what we as survivors deal with when we come forward about sexual abuse in churches. Now, this is not indicative of everyone's experience in the church with sexual abuse. Um, This is a specific kind of a story, but I kind of felt like I could relate to this a little bit, I guess, just as being a missionary kid, and I wanted to share it on the podcast today and kind of just vent about it and talk about maybe some things that we can do to start changing this thing that's happening in the church, I hesitate to call it a trend because that almost makes it sound like it could be, you know, a good thing. A trend, like slap bracelets or man buns. Okay, neither one of those are necessarily good things, but you know what I mean. But it seems to be this trend or an MO of abusers within the church, and it's something that makes my blood boil faster than almost anything else and that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. So it starts with a story that I read via the Associated Press about a week ago and this story is out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania where a lot of abuse stories seem to be from the state of Pennsylvania. If you listen to Jimmy Hinton's podcast, speaking out on sex abuse with his mom, Clara Hinton, maybe you have heard him talk about the fact that there are a lot of abuse cases in Pennsylvania. I don't know if it just seems that way or if there's actually like numbers to back this up, All I know is this specific story came out of Pennsylvania, and that was my first thought, like, seriously, Pennsylvania, we need to calm down a little bit. But I'm going to read you this story because I just think that that's the easiest way to get all the details of this article. It is from the Associated Press, so just letting you know. Um, And the headline is, charged in Iowa in 1996, a Pennsylvania man who set up a Kenya orphanage pleads to sex abuse charges. So let me read this to you. A Pennsylvania man accused by federal authorities of preying on children under the guise of missionary work, and let's keep that in the forefront of our heads, under the guise of missionary work, at an orphanage he established in Kenya, has pleaded guilty to sexually molesting four girls. Gregory Dow, 61, of Lancaster, pleaded guilty Monday in a federal court hearing to four counts of engaging in illicit sexual conduct with a minor in a foreign place between 2013 and 2017 while running Dow Family Children's Home in Kenya, which he established in 2008 a newspaper reported that during a teleconference hearing Monday Dow told the judge that he acknowledged the truth of the prosecution's allegations under terms of his plea agreement he would serve 15 years and eight months in prison and then have to register as a sex offender prosecutors said that when the abuse started two girls were 11 one was 12 and one was 13. Dow purported to be a Christian missionary who would care for these orphans. They called him Dad, but instead of being a father figure for them, he preyed on their youth and vulnerability, prosecutors said in the court filing. Dow used force and coercion to perpetrate the most heinous of crimes, preying on vulnerable children for his own sexual gratification, prosecutors wrote. They also noted earlier Dow's 1996 guilty plea to assault to commit sexual abuse in Iowa. He received two years probation back then and was ordered to register as a sex offender for a decade, the U.S. Attorney's Office said. So my first question is, why, if someone pleaded guilty to sexual assault, To commit sexual abuse in Iowa, why did that person who served probation and had to register as a sex offender, how did they become a person who starts an orphanage for children in Africa? Somebody tell me. But I think that the last sentence of this entire article is the most important part. And it's something that I'm going to be talking about on Survivor Sanctuary this episode. The orphanage, which received financial support from Lancaster County churches and nonprofits, closed in September 2017. The good news is it closed, but that's not the part that I'm focusing on. The part that I'm focusing on is that the orphanage received financial support from Lancaster County churches and nonprofits. So in dealing with some of the stuff that I deal with in advocating for sexual abuse victims, in receiving letters and meeting survivors and hearing story after story, I already know that this happens. So i I'm not surprised by it at all. I just found myself extremely frustrated by it this past week. Just reading this article made my blood boil all over again. Of course, my blood is boiling that someone would be disgusting enough to want to go to a foreign country or any country for that matter, even if it's in their own backyard, to go anywhere to start an orphanage for the express purpose of grooming and sexually abusing children. And I can kind of hear some church people arguing in my ear already. Like, well, they didn't go there necessarily with the express purpose or intent of sexually abusing children. I mean, probably they went because they wanted to make a difference, and it just ended up happening. And I'm going to say a resounding no to that, and I'm not going to apologize for it either. Um, I try to be gentle and and sort of see things from other people's perspectives, and then also to understand that some people just don't get what happens with sexual abusers and kind of the way that it works. And so they might believe that somebody has the best intentions and they just accidentally fall, and I'm holding up my air quotes, fall into the sin of sexually abusing children. And I am here to say unequivocally, no, that is not how it happens. He did not go to Kenya to start an orphanage out of the goodness of his heart with no intent of sexually abusing children. Because I just think that that is a giant load of bull crap and it's not true and I think that if more churches and more Christian people in general would operate from that idea that people who abuse children do not change if we would come at it from that perspective instead of the perspective that a lot of Christians and church leaders come at it we would be so much better prepared to deal with the reality of the things that happen in the world and in our churches And not only will we deal with it better, but we would prevent it so much better. Now, just in case those alarm bells, those like I've been in Sunday school since I was two, alarm bells are going (laughs) off in your head and you're saying, no, you can't operate from the premise that people can't change because God can change anyone and, and he can make all things new. And I'm not denying that that is true yes God can change people and yes he does make all things new and yes there's repentance and forgiveness and I'm not here to say that no one who sexually abuses a child can be repentant because I don't believe that's true I believe that it it can be the case but here's something that I definitely believe someone who has struggled And I hate to even say struggle because it makes it sound like you're struggling to tie a shoe or something. You're you're struggling with this attraction to children or this desire to sexually abuse children. I don't like to call it a struggle in that like there's no way you can help yourself because you literally just don't have sex with children. Like it's that simple. It is not as though it's a super hard thing to do to not sexually abuse a kid. It isn't hard. Like it's not hard. In fact, society makes it really difficult to sexually abuse a child and get away with it. I'm not saying that it's difficult physically to do it. I'm saying it's not accepted by people. It is not well-received. And people who sexually abuse children have to create opportunities. They have to be extremely deceptive and secretive. It is not something that you just, oh. I was walking to the grocery store today and I tripped over my shoelaces and I was sexually abusing a kid. Like it doesn't happen that way. There is so much planning. There is so much deceit. There is so much that goes into making the decision because it is a decision. It's a choice that you make. It's not something that's thrust on you that you can't help yourself. Making that decision to sexually abuse a child takes effort. And the effort that I'm talking about is the deception that it requires the secrecy that it requires. You you cannot tell people what you're doing and, and you have to make sure nobody else is telling them either. And in the same breath that I'm saying that, I'm going to say that we, especially in churches, are making it way too easy for people to perpetrate this crime because that's what it is. It is a vile, disgusting crime. And we're kind of dropping it into the laps of people who want to abuse children. And I think that one of the reasons that we're doing that is our belief that because God can make all things new and because God can forgive any sin, that that automatically means that a person who has been caught sexually abusing children is boom, going to change. That belief, and it seems to be really deeply ingrained in us, and I'm not really sure why, and that wasn't the purpose of this podcast to get in the the whys of that. It's just to say This assumption that people who sexually abuse children are really sorry about it and they don't want to do it anymore and they're not going to do it anymore is dangerous. And it's dangerous for the reasons that I just read to you in this article about this man who had already bled guilty to sexual abuse. He'd already received two years probation. He had already been ordered to register as a sex offender for a decade. So from 96 to 2006, he had to register as a sex offender. And yet this man still managed to garner the financial support necessary from local churches and local nonprofit organizations to be able to go and start an orphanage in a third world country so that he could continue to abuse young girls. It makes me completely crazy. And here's one of the main reasons why. If somebody wants to go to a foreign country and they wanna abuse kids, um, it's gonna be possible to do that without the support of a church or a nonprofit organization. It's gonna be possible to go somewhere and somehow get your hands on children and abuse them. They may do it like we see sometimes on the news, the sex tourism, child sex tourism. People go to other countries to abuse children. And I love the fact that they could be prosecuted here in the United States for that. So more on that later. But people can obviously, if they have that wicked and evil intent in their hearts on their own, without the support of anybody else, they can go and sexually abuse a child. And it happens all the time. So I'm not here to say that the problem is exclusively with people who support pedophiles that's not what I'm saying what I am saying though is that where else do you find this where somebody in the United States can commit these egregious acts against children the most disgusting vile thing that I think anybody can do they can serve probation for it and they can be registered as a sex offender and then a few years later They've got churches and nonprofit organizations lined up to literally fund their pedophilia. Like we're going to support you monthly so that you can go and open an orphanage, start an orphanage in this poor country where people are desperate and destitute. You can literally start an organization to feed your depravity. And we are hearing these stories over and over again. And one of the things that is really encouraging to me is that these stories are making their way to the news and we're seeing multiple stories in the news about people who've gone to to other countries. There was um, a missionary who went to Haiti, did the same thing, started an orphanage for the express purpose of abusing young kids and they're caught and they're prosecuted and There are U.S. attorneys and there are investigators who take this stuff really, really seriously. But I think it's super cringy that the church doesn't take it as seriously. Part of me wonders in seeing some of the stories where this pastor, youth pastor, some kind of church leader is basically outed as being a child sexual abuser. And people come forward with their stories, they say, he did this, he did this, he did this. And then it seems like a few years later, this person, they're off the radar in the States and suddenly they pop up in some kind of foreign country. And they're building houses for kids, they're building orphanages, they're building schools. And you notice that their ministry always seems to revolve around children. I've said it before, but I'll say it again for the folks in the back. A repentant child molester does not choose to work with children. That's not a thing that a person who is really sorry for what they've done is going to choose to do. Knowing that you've violated kids in that way, knowing that that is a temptation for you, knowing that you have destroyed lives or have the potential to do so, a person who really cares about that and who's truly repentant is not going to choose to do that I have an issue where I want to molest children person X says so why would person X start an orphanage for children unless it was to have the opportunity to continue to abuse children it makes a lot of sense to a lot of people but it seems to not make as much sense in a church setting where churches will now I I will say caveat here I don't know who of these churches knew what was in this man's past but i will say this they should have found out and that's something that i think needs to become the norm in our churches that before you give a dime to a ministry and it's really difficult for me now having gone through what i went through being sexually abused and seeing all of the stories and these aren't just like random stories like oh this person said this and and he said she said it is Literally, court case after court case after court case, and story after story after story. There are hundreds of thousands of them all over the world. It is happening incessantly. And I am to the point where it's really difficult for me to give money to any organization and trust that they're going to do what they're supposed to do with it. And reading stories like this one involving Gregory Dow, the man who Went to Kenya to start an orphanage and abuse children because that's what he did. That's who he was, an abuser. Don't make me feel much better about it. When I read things like, well, he was supported by various churches in Lancaster County, and they supported him financially so that he could go and start his orphanage, and we find out years later, oh, oopsie, he never stopped abusing kids. What a shock, except it's not a shock to anybody who knows anything about predators, and it's not a shock to anybody who knows anything about childhood sexual abuse. As Christians, and especially as the church, like the big C church, as people like to say, we really need to learn to be wise as serpents. I feel like we kind of play at the gentle as doves sort of thing, um, but we struggle with that wise as serpents. People who have sexually abused children cannot be trusted with children. That's just the reality. It's it's one of the realities that you have to face when you make the choice to violate a child in that manner. And for some reason we fight against that in Christianity. And I don't want to just pick on Christians. Maybe that's the case in some other religions as well. All I know is we struggle with that reality that there are consequences to violating little kids, that there are consequences to sin. But there are, like that's just life. And one of the consequences of having violated a child sexually is that you're no longer trusted around children. Not only should other people not trust you around them, but you shouldn't trust yourself around them either. And the church seems to be more bothered by that thought than they are bothered by the sexual abuse of children and that just makes me sad like i think that it's heartbreaking because what it does is make so many more people in the world vulnerable to abuse we have the power as the church to prevent a lot of what's happening and i think that maybe that's the basis of a lot of my frustration that we have the power to prevent so much sexual abuse, and because we wanna bury our heads in the sand, and because we wanna believe stupid things like pedophiles are gonna change, instead of prevention, we're seeing things go crazy. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. So maybe all of this has been happening and now we're just reading more about it in social media and on the news and and all of the other places where we get our information now. I know it's different than it used to be. So we are seeing a lot more of this and maybe it's just coming to our attention more. But it is insane to me the amount of abuse of children that's going on, especially the sexual abuse of children. And it's even more insane to me that we are literally funding pedophiles in the church. We're funding their ministries, guys. Why are we doing this? Why would anyone give money to somebody who started an orphanage without first finding out if this person had ever been charged with the assault of a child, if this person had ever been charged with sexual abuse, what's in their background? Like, did anybody do a background check on this guy? And one of the things that makes me the most sad is that I guarantee you there are people in the churches I, I know, like I no one's given me this information, but I know, and maybe you're closer to the story than I am and you know some juicy details about it that I don't, you're free to share those with me so that I can share them with our listeners. But I know there are people who knew that this person had done this. and This Gregory Dow, was he married? Because if he was, then his spouse more than likely knew. Um, Leaders in the church, if they dealt with him when he was arrested previously and charged and had to register as a sex offender, they probably knew. There were people who knew, and yet this man still ended up leaving the United States funded by churches. They're literally funding his pedophilia so that he can go to another country and destroy lives. And that's what it is. It's not, I think sometimes we view sexual sin as these like sins against our own bodies. And I think that you can view it that way when you're talking about sexual sins with consenting adults. If you want to consider that sinning against God and sinning against your own body, great. But when it comes to the sexual abuse of children, it is not an issue of sinning against your own body or sinning against God only. You are literally wreaking havoc and devastation on another person's life when they have no choice in the matter. Oh, hey, 11-year-old child that I feel like acting out my depravity on. Like, I don't care about you or your feelings or what this might do to your future. I don't care how this might mess you up going forward. I don't care how it will affect your relationships with other people and your relationship with God. I'm going to do it because it's what I want to do. And we've got churches that are funding this crap. In my own story of abuse, I think one of the hardest things for me to deal with with everything with coming forward and telling my story and telling on my abuser if you want to call it that and telling on my abuser if you want to put it that way the hardest part of everything and there were a lot of hard parts to it was doing every single thing that I could think of to do throwing out the window whether or not people were going to like me anymore Um, because that was something that I I was concerned about. You know, all these missionaries that I had loved as a kid, what are they going to think of me? And if I say something, am am I going to be viewed as somebody who's bitter or unforgiving? You know, how is this going to reflect on me? I had to let go of all of that, because the reason it was important for me to come forward was to try and protect the little kids that my abuser was around all the time. And the only way, the only way to add a layer of protection was to let other people know what he had done so that they would be able to do what I couldn't do from 14,000 miles away and protect those little kids. And that was in the forefront of my mind the entire time. Like I have emails. Someday maybe I'll publish them all online. You can read everything and, and see a lot of the process from start to finish because it was a lot of it was done via email. And I said over and over again, I'm telling you what I'm telling you because I'm worried about these kids. I'm worried that he is still preying on children and he's around children all the time and he's around children in the church and I don't want them to experience what I have had to experience in my life because he sexually abused me. I don't want that for them. And so, Having done all of that, and then, you know, weeks later, months later, and now even years later, seeing that his position in the church is much the same, you know, seeing him standing behind a pulpit and reading scripture or giving announcements or doing whatever it is that he's doing to to be in a position of trust in a church where there are little children. It's a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face to everything. You stick your neck out. And I'm not saying this as like a woe is me type of a thing, you know, I'll survive. I'll live through it. I did live through it and I'm still living through it and I'm fine. But that's not the point. It's sticking your neck out because there's a really good reason to stick your neck out. And that is to try and protect other kids. And then you have good Christian people who absolutely do not see the urgency. And I can't tell you how it feels like, I I mean, I've tried to explain it here in words, but to see, you know, this guy who has admitted to sexually abusing multiple little girls standing in front of dozens of little kids doing a puppet show, leading activities for children, artwork for children, being surrounded by children, and nobody's saying no. Nobody's saying, hey, when we have these children's activities at church, you should probably stay home because of what we know about your past and that's not to punish you it's just to protect kids because that's what's important but it doesn't seem to be the thing that we focus on when we hear these stories in church oh this poor man you know yeah he brutally assaulted an eight-year-old child And sexually abused this person or that person. But, you know, he said he was sorry and he cried. And so we we feel really bad for him. Like, oh my gosh, you know, he must feel terrible because I would feel terrible if I'd done anything like that. And so you go right into forgiveness and love and grace and mercy mode. And there's no thought or very little thought to how you're going to protect children going forward. And I don't know where the disconnect is. It's something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. And as survivors of abuse and advocates, uh, we, we talk about it all the time because it's one of the most frustrating things is to see other people concerned with forgiveness and grace and mercy, but not concerned with making sure that this doesn't happen to anybody else. Why are we financially supporting child molesters? Why are we funding child molestation clinics? I mean, I don't call them orphanages because when somebody who likes to abuse children goes and starts an orphanage, it's literally a grooming center. That's what it is. It's, it's not because they want to help orphans. It's because orphans are easy targets, especially in some of these countries that they're going to. It makes my stomach turn. And here's the thing. Predators are going to do what they do because they're predators, Predators are going to prey on children. Predators are going to create opportunities and look for opportunities constantly because that is what predators do. But we don't have to help them do it. As a church, as Christians, as believers, we do not have to fund the depraved sexual appetites of child molesters. We actually don't have to do it. But to stop, we're going to have to do something different than whatever it is that we're doing that gets us to this sentence, the orphanage, which received financial support from county churches and nonprofits. I, I mean, it's the same story over and over again. Predators are going to pray, but we don't have to enable them to do it. And one of the things that I may get criticized for when it comes to my own story is my belief That some people consider harsh, but my belief that once you know someone has abused and you don't vigilantly work to prevent future abuse, you're complicit. And I'm not saying that to shame people because I know that for a lot of people and in my own story, like one of the hardest things for me is missionaries that I really looked up to as a kid and watching them interact with my abuser and his family and his church And watching them not care that he's still surrounded by kids, watching them not care that he could very well abuse someone else. And I think maybe it's not a fair, necessarily a fair burden to put on people's shoulders, um, but sexual abuse isn't fair. But once you know that somebody has sexually violated a child, you now do have a responsibility. I'm not saying to handcuff the person and physically prevent them from sexually abusing a child, but there has to be some kind of accountability. And it can't be the accountability that says, well, we keep an eye on him at church. You know, he, he said he was sorry, so we just, we're just believing in faith that he's not doing anything wrong. Well, with that attitude, you are being reckless with the lives of innocent kids, completely and totally reckless it's a contempt for innocence. Well, fingers crossed he won't do anything. That's not good enough. I'm here to say it's not good enough. Fingers crossed he won't do anything or fingers crossed she won't do anything. Once we know that they've done something to violate a child sexually, that doesn't fly anymore. It's not good enough. Can we please stop funding grooming playgrounds for predators who disguise themselves as sheep, or worse, predators who disguise themselves as shepherds. I know sometimes it's easier said than done. So I don't want to leave you with the impression that I think it's just, you know, there's this list of exact things to do. And you will prevent anyone from reoffending. I mean, it's that's not realistic. And it's not fair to say, like if someone re-offends and you knew they offended in the first place, that you somehow hold some of the responsibility. That wouldn't be fair to say. But if you are giving money or resources, or you're asking churches back in the States to give money or resources to a church that allows a pedophile, an admitted pedophile, and someone who over the span of several years has preyed on children of a prepubescent age, like fits the description of a pedophile. You know that this church, and I'm speaking about the church that I went to as a little kid where I was sexually abused. You know that this church is allowing this man to keep ministering and to keep being at the forefront where he is in a position of trust with children and with their parents. You know that this is happening and you know what he's done. And rather than try and keep it from happening, you continue to support and you continue to encourage other people to support. At that point, I say, you are complicit. You're complicit. If the man who sexually abused me, if Jerry Segerlachy abuses another small child, and I promise you, it will happen. And it has happened. Then I believe that you shoulder some of the blame because you're enabling him. Do you give resources to the church? Do you give money to the church? Do you give your time to the church? Do you support this church made up of a family that refuses to hold a predator accountable? Do you do that? Because if you do, you are enabling him. And that's the thing that I find the most frustrating. I think that, or maybe I just wanna think that, if people understood what a child goes through when they're sexually abused and how it affects them across their lifetime, I think that if people really understood it, if they knew how it felt, If they knew the struggles and the frustrations and the death of spirit that it can cause, if they knew and they really understood that, they would take prevention more seriously. But I think that prevention is one thing. And actually funding pedophilia and child molestation is another. And it's happening constantly. It's happening in the little church where I was abused It was happening in this story that I just shared with you about Gregory Dow of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and his orphanage in Kenya that has been shut down because he was a predator who started an orphanage for the purpose of preying on children, literally under the guise of missionary work, under the guise of wanting to introduce people to a loving savior. He was sexually abusing and destroying the lives of innocent little kids. Can we stop funding grooming and sexual abuse disguised as missionary work, disguised as ministry, disguised as the love of the Lord? Can we stop? Like that would make me really, really happy. And that was the frustration that brought you this episode of survivor sanctuary. If we want to defund something, you hear churches talk about you know, not supporting things or defunding Planned Parenthood, and I'm not here to have a discussion about which is worse, abortion or the sexual abuse of children. That's not what this is about. But if we want to defund something, can we defund these predatory organizations, these people who want to abuse kids, and we're just like, here, have our monthly support. Our church would love to give you tons of money so you can go to a foreign country and do whatever you want with kids, and we're not gonna do a background check, and we're not gonna tell the people in our church that that are supporting you and giving their money, we're not gonna tell them that for 10 years you were registered as a sex offender. We're not gonna tell them that you have already sexually abused kids, and now you're gallivanting off to a foreign country to do it some more. Can we stop that please? Part of me thinks that some of these churches are just relieved to be rid of the, these people, you know, a guy in a pastoral position, whatever position he's in, gets caught. It's a big scandal, and suddenly, six months later, woohoo! I'm going to a foreign country, and I'm going to start a ministry for children because God has just led me there. After my brokenness, uh, you know, I repented of molesting children and decided that for the rest of my life, I should probably have a ministry that revolves around the very children I'm attracted to, or have a desire to prey upon. A couple of things that I think that we can do. And maybe there are ideas that you can give some other people. I think one really important thing is know where your money's going. Please know where your money's going. Don't give to an organization. Don't give to a missionary. Don't give to a person that you, you don't know or you haven't looked into how they've been vetted. If someone's sent by a missions board or by a church, they should have information on this person's past, and and nobody should be upset if you want to know things. And sometimes, no, there's not going to be anything in this person's past, um, at least on the record books, because unfortunately, that happens a lot when it comes to cases where children have been abused. You know, people get away with it for years, so maybe there's nothing as far as a criminal record goes. But let's not just throw money at an organization because they say they're doing something to help. In addition to just being careful of where we send our money and really knowing the ministries that we're supporting – I mean, I, I get that anything can happen and we're not going to be able to know every single thing, but we can be careful. But in addition to that, you can actually report any suspicions that you have to uh, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And I'm talking about not things that just happen here in the United States. But if, say, for instance, like you had been a member of this Lancaster Church where Gregory Dow had been in the church, maybe you knew that he had sexually abused someone. And you, you're thinking, OK, this person sexually abused children. And now, all of a sudden, he is running an orphanage in Kenya. And you could say, you know, that doesn't sit well with me. And I feel like that there could be something shady going on. You don't have to have any proof. You don't. A tip does not have to be solid proof. It's just what it is a tip. And if you know of someone, like I just mentioned, maybe it's happened in your church or in another church, and you're thinking, okay, uh, this person was involved in the sexual abuse of children. Now they are in another country working with children. You can actually report them to U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It's a division of the Department of Homeland Security. Go to ICE.gov slash Predator. Again, that's ICE, slash Predator. And at the top of your screen, you're going to see report crimes, email or call. And uh, it's actually very simple. If you click on the email portion, it's going to take you to a little questionnaire to fill out. You can do it anonymously if that's what you want to do. No problem at all. And provide your tip. Maybe nothing will come out of it. Or maybe you're going to save an innocent child from being sexually abused by someone who is disguising themselves as a minister of the gospel to do disgusting things to children. When in doubt blow the whistle. I think it's a great motto to live by. Um, So there are just a couple of ideas. I mainly just wanted to get that off my chest. Like, can we please stop funding molestionaries? That's what I'm going to call them because that's really essentially what they are. And I don't want to get to the point where every time I see that someone has opened an orphanage or is inviting children into their life, that they're untrustworthy beings. I don't want to be that person who suspects everyone of child sexual abuse. But what I also don't want to be and what I think would be worse than what I just said would be to be a person who is funding those people who are destroying lives. And they are guys like, I mean, you know this, if you're a survivor of sexual abuse, and i if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you probably are a survivor of sexual abuse. So I know that I'm preaching to the choir. But on the off chance that you wandered into this podcast, curious what it was about, and you don't know, sexual abuse destroys Yes, there can be healing, but I'm not here for that parade of happiness that everybody wants. You know, the the success stories and the after photos that we all love to see, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Yes, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to say that a life is completely over or ended or nothing can ever get better if someone's been abused. They're just damaged goods and that's the end of that. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying abuse is a destructive force like no other. It destroys people who are created in the image of God. It robs people like nothing else does, and I hate it with all of my heart. And yes, I say that as a person who has survived sexual abuse, but I also say it as a person who, I don't want to see this happen to other people. When my abuser stands up behind a pulpit, I'm not offended because, oh, he did something to me and he should have to pay for what he did to me. I'm offended because I know the risk that he poses to innocent, vulnerable people who are not going to see what's coming. They're not going to see what's coming, and they're not going to understand it when it happens. So let's be vigilant. Let's speak out. Let's be annoying. Let's blow those whistles. There are people out there who care, and there are people out there who are working really hard to prevent childhood sexual abuse and to bring abusers to justice. I wish that those people who are working really hard were people in the church and not people who work for the Department of Homeland Security. Like, that's what I wish. Like, that is one of the deepest desires of my heart, that the church would care about this as much as God cares about this. But until that happens, I guess that's why our voices are here and we just got to keep using them as frustrating as it can be. And as much as the church wants to stand there, like, you know, fingers in ears, like la la la, I can't hear you. You know, I'm too busy forgiving people. Um, As much as it sucks, we got to keep doing it because we know what's at stake. So I just wanted to vent that to you and uh, share that with you. And I'm sure that there are so many stories that you guys could share as well. And I want to encourage you to do that on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. Just search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook and I will add you to the group. I'll catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then thanks for listening to survivor sanctuary with me kelly downing if you found value in today's podcast please leave us a review on itunes not only will it put a big smile on my face more importantly your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast